0: Hey guys, welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This podcast is not to change your mind, but to invite you into somebody else's narrative. This is a podcast to give a voice to the neglected. It is also an opportunity for all of us to engage. All right, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This is Nick Schultz. You can hit me up at Schultz time. We are at For the Neglected here at City Church. Producer Quinn, what's going on my man? Thanks for being here. And we have a very special guest, a returning guest. That's right, Matt Roji. What's going on, man?
1: Not much, Nick. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. I yeah. mean, yeah, I'm doing okay. We just we just went into a 10 minute deep dive of like our foster care experience currently, right. and yeah, appreciate lot, you
1: sharing that. There's
0: <laughs> you're welcome. I really do. There's a lot of ups and downs, and I kind of vomited all on you because you're a good listener, and you're someone that I can talk to about that kind of stuff. So I appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm. But you are not interviewing me today. Uh, <laughs> I'm interviewing you, and we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, some follow-up about what's going on with Afghanistan. All right. Sounds good. And you yeah. have a, a very uh, unique history with being in the military, having some time over there, some circumstances that happened over there, whether mm-hmm. you know good or bad, some stuff you can share, and really kind of w- what's been happening in our country, their country, and how that affects you and, and people that you try to also work with too who have served over there. And mm-hmm. you know, it's part of your heart is ministering to people that are first responders and people yeah. that to serve. And this is a very unique time of people gave gave a lot yeah. for the things that happened over there from nine eleven on and now it's we're back, but there's still stuff going on there and it affects a lot of people and some unique and kind of hard ways. And so getting your perspective is really important and I appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: And, and just in case anybody wants to know your full story, <laughs> you were our guest for episode eight. Okay. Way, yep. way back in the day.
1: That was before COVID.
0: That was before a lot of stuff. Yes. <laughs> so if you if you want to hear Matt's full story about kind of growing up and the, the full life kind of stuff and what he's been through, episode eight is the place to go. Yep. At least for this episode's purposes, we're going to pick it up with just explain to us kind of your, your tie to the military, to the war, Afghanistan and kind of walk us through that, that connection. Yeah, sure. Um,
1: question though, mm-hmm. how many other returning guests have you had? Um, a couple,
0: right? Just one, I think one. Yeah. Okay.
1: Just, just curious where I fit into that.
0: This is a big deal. Big deal. You're 30. a big deal. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, so with that, uh, yeah. So, um, I served for 22 years in the army, Came in pretty much right after high school. Did 22 years. Very shortly after I came in, just a couple years, um, I came in as enlisted. I went to flight school, became a warrant officer, and and then spent basically the next 20 years uh, flying. Um, about half that time was spent here in Savannah. We got stationed here in 1999 to the uh, 160th SOAR, Special Ops mm-hmm. uh, Unit, and course two years after that 9-11 happened and you know that began um you know like so many others Mm -hmm. you know that cycle of deploying and you know so I think you know I I tried to do the math and figure out because somebody asked me you know like so like in total how long did you spend like in Afghanistan and you know probably I I knew I did six trips over there Mm -hmm. um you know and those are varying lengths Mm -hmm. first one was like nine months and then after that they got a little bit shorter each time Three, four months, something in that range. But
0: mm-hmm. and you were married for yeah. all of them, and yeah. did you your son too? Or? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you had he, a family. He,
1: yeah, he was born in '97. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so they experienced that whole thing too. Um, and uh, you know, out of that, like you know, like you sort of mentioned, um, you know, there's there's good stuff, mm-hmm. and there's pretty pretty bad stuff, you know, that happened over there. But um, and of course, you know, now. With the current stuff going on and uh, what happened in the news over the past you know sure couple of weeks you know it's been on a lot of people's
0: thoughts yeah well let's start with just some of the good stuff like your experience over there and we went over there 9 11 happened we went to fight the taliban and do our stuff over there and what, what were some of the good things either in a personal way or from a camaraderie standpoint or good for the afghani people that you saw like what, what was some of the positive stuff that you experienced
1: uh, i think the the positive is that description we were just uh i was talking about it um just last week about there was five of us that did a zoom call i think it was last tuesday night um basically just like hey these are guys that we served with on these first deployments and uh, spent a lot of time with and we said hey let's just get a call together and mm-hmm. and zoom and just share what's on our hearts right now and the the coolest thing about that was is is you know, we picked right back up where we left off, you know, I mean, some of them, you know, I've talked to a couple times here and there a couple times a year, but you know, others you don't talk to you for four or five, six, seven years, but it's just like you're picking back up right where you left off. And a lot of that had to do with the trust we had in each other, that camaraderie, you know, that you mentioned, um, the, uh, commitment to each other. And mm-hmm. so without a doubt, those relationships, that we established with each other were by far the strongest relationships you know short of you know with jesus and my wife mm-hmm. um that i that i'd ever had at the time mm-hmm. which you know wouldn't trade that for the world not you know not one bit despite some of the bad stuff but and i'd say you know 2002 that first deployment it was probably um out of all my time in service that was probably the best year in in some respects. One, because we um, were doing what we trained to do, you know, and it was real, and we all felt very strongly that we were doing it for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, 9-11 just happened, so we were going over there to, you know, basically get rid of Al-Qaeda, overthrow the Taliban who'd been harboring them, and so there was definitely a, a huge patriotic
2: mm-hmm
1: emotion going on there as well Um, you know we we called it it was like the wild wild west in a lot of ways it was before um, you know the the joke became the longer we stayed there is the more it became like a base back here in the United States with military police giving out speeding tickets on the bases and (laughs) generals running around and complaining that people aren't saluting them and you know make sure your uniform's clean that that type of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, which you know in the first year probably for the first few years it was just all about get the mission done
2: hmm
0: and so wh- what about some of the stuff that was was difficult over there and um, I, I know previous podcasts, at least you've shared about PTSD and, and an yeah. accident and some of that stuff you can walk through people I know there's like physical things that happen but right right s- explain the physical stuff but also kind of the mental stuff yeah from I being mean over there
1: you know I think it and it just it took its toll I mean you know, after doing these deployments multiple times, and usually our, our pace while we are on these deployments, it was very rapid. So um, there really wasn't a lot of downtime to ever process the previous night's mission, and especially as the war went on, and as we refined our techniques of how to actually do these missions, and same thing with our customers. You know, the Rangers, the SEALs. Uh, the green Berets they refined their process too so we could do things a lot quicker mm-hmm. and so instead of taking 96 hours to plan a mission you know literally it got down to probably about four hours of like hey here's a bad guy you know all right four hours four hours later we're out the door taking the customers to this target and you could do that maybe even multiple times in a night mm-hmm. and so with that which and that's just a an, a, a Physically, mentally taxing, but then you throw in the, the other things that come with that of being, you know, in a very dangerous environment of, you know, near misses, seeing people get, you know, wounded, accidents, uh, close calls, things like that. It just begins to take, take a toll because you never have the time to sit back and mm-hmm. process and go, wow, man, we almost died when we barely missed that mountain the other night because we couldn't see it in this dust storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just accumulates, mm-hmm. you know, you're just stacking more stuff on, you know. I mean, with that, you know, there were some, some major events from, from my times that, was, that I was over there, which I think would speak to a lot. You know, I know without a doubt people, you know, hundreds of thousands have experienced similar things in these deployments of, you know, losing your best friends, having to carry, you know, their, um, their casket onto the plane to send them back home, you know, with the flag draped over it. Um, you know, I was in an accident myself when I was over there. Um, we were, ended up being on the ground for about 24 hours till we got picked up the next night. Um, you know, thankfully everybody lived through that, but it was a pretty, pretty traumatic experience. And again, you know, not a lot of time to process it in the moment just because we still had a mission to get done,
2: Mm -hmm. you know?
1: So I think, you know, so there's definitely a combination of, of the good and the bad. And, you know, and you talk about, you know, like the Afghan people, I mean, um and i know this and i know that good has been done you know never really personally saw it you know on on an individual level but you know there were girls in afghanistan now who were able to go to school for the first time um you know learning how to read you know there was there was freedom more freedom than what they had before i mean there was still you know it was it never was perfect you know, and again, we could go into a long conversation of whether we should try and make it like Little America or not, and um, whether that's good or bad, which I would say is bad. But you know, from a culture standpoint, mm-hmm. um, but again, there there was just things to where, you know, people were able to, I think, feel a little safer when we were over there. I mean, um, a lot of infrastructure was built there, and again. That's a hard question of whether it was really useful Mm -hmm. and i and i say that not in a disparaging way but you know sometimes people are just happy with what they have Mm -hmm. and you know so if we bring them electric power and a cell phone is that good or bad Mm -hmm. you know um if we're introducing these things to them and trying to again bring western yeah you know yeah yeah um so, and again, that, that's a, I don't have a right answer for that one either. I have my opinions, mm-hmm. which I, you know. Um, in fact, have you ever seen the movie Full Metal Jacket?
0: No, sorry. Uh,
1: now I'm useless. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll, I'll try and set the stage, but bottom line is there's a scene in the movie to where the two main characters, they're reporters in the Marines. They're basically uh, correspondents, combat photographers. And they go to this, uh, in, you know, it's a Vietnam War is where the setting is, and they go to this, um, it's like a mass grave to where the Viet Cong had basically executed a bunch of supposed sympathizers with the South Vietnamese Army and the Americans. And, um, and so these two combat photographers are taking some pictures, asking some questions just, you know, for the Stars and Stripes newspaper. And while they were there, they were confronted by this Marine Colonel, you know, this very maybe stereotypical by the book, Marine Colonel. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, you know, one of the comments he makes is, you know, is, is is in his best patriotic, you know, America first type thing. He goes, you know, in the side of every Vietnamese is an American screaming to get out and that's what we're here for. And, um, I, Misquoted that I'm sure a little bit, but that's the gist of it. I wouldn't know, but that's the gist of yeah. it. You know, and again, it's that attitude of, you know, um, what we have. You know, we we can't assume that to always be the best yeah. for everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, works pretty well, I think, but um, You're especially used to it too. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm used to it. You yep. know, um, but they don't necessarily need a Taco Bell on every corner either. Right. <laughs> So, as much as talk about would like that,
0: right? I'm sure they would. So, so you also you were very open about just kind of PTSD mm. and the mental health side of it, yeah, of of coming back, and it's not just specifically because of Afghanistan. It's you know the war and other people have it from other right. countries and stuff like that too, yeah. And, and how that affected your relationship with your family, but also just kind of your purpose and coming coming back from that too, and. I want to tie that in a little bit. You can share mm-hmm. some of those experiences, but ultimately, I want to tie that in of you're you're never over it necessarily. It's always something you you battle. I'm sure, but how how going through that? Once you explain that, does that get triggered more now with our decision of going out of Afghanistan and the Taliban coming back into power, or are you able to just kind of let that go? I know it's a complicated question, but there's there's still people over there. We still think there's Americans over there. There's interpreters and people that helped our U.S. military Mm -hmm. helped you that Mm -hmm. were over there and their families. And so they're still in danger, yet we're fully pulled out, which maybe is a good thing or a bad thing. And so troops are now safe. And how does all that (laughs) work together with what you're going through right now? That that previous experience and, and now with it coming back up like this? yeah um
1: you know to, to be pretty well yeah to be open and transparent, you know at first, I was basically just sort of ignoring it, that was mm-hmm. my defense mechanism. I'm just not gonna watch the news, I'm not going to worry about it um, but I began to have some one on one conversations with a couple of people I served with and and um which then allowed sort of this opportunity for me to begin to process and Mm -hmm. and think about it. And I would, you know, so yeah, there's still this emotional connection there and, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't bring up and, you know, some of the things that that I've dealt with and I still deal with, you know, um, in regards to, you know, some of the symptoms that come from post-traumatic stress. Thankfully, I've, I think I've come a little ways from where I was, but, or even a long ways, but still, yeah, it definitely, you know, triggers it because, you know, and again, you're, um, some of the questions that people have asked, you know, I've, I've definitely asked, even though I know the answers, at least I think I do, was it worth it? Right, right. You know, to the families whose, you know, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, um, spouses have been killed, was it worth it? You know, if, if literally the day we pull out, you know, we hand it right back to the same people that were in charge when we went in. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and again that's that's um I mean ultimately because of my faith in Jesus, I do believe it was worth it because, you know, I've got at least secondhand stories of people who have heard the gospel because of us going into that country and, and maybe and making a way for other people to bring the gospel and to share with people from Afghanistan, and just to have that opportunity—not to force it upon them, but to have that opportunity. So I think, um, you know, so yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely been more of a of a stressor over the past few weeks, um, and I really have to, to sort of watch where I let my mind go to, mm-hmm. because I could, you know, I can easily see myself falling into this trap of of um, anger, isolation beating my beating my chest with my fist and just you know this is wrong look at me um you know claim you know pull out the victim card um you know and i'm not saying that people who are making noise are doing that mm-hmm. but again i know for me that's what i would you know this sort of this negative behavior that would allow me to go down to which then affects everything else in my life my relationship with my wife and you know coworkers, friends at that point so you know so so there's definitely but at the same time i don't believe that i'm supposed to completely just ignore what's going on either Mm -hmm. because where god has placed me now you know i can speak into other people's lives as well and so i just sort of you know I, i do need to pay attention to what's going on and not hide myself from you know those images and those videos that were coming out Um, The horrible videos of that C-17 taxing down the runway and those with the Afghans holding on to it and some holding on through takeoff and then some getting crushed by the landing gear and some falling from the sky. I mean, that is absolutely horrible. I mean, there's, you know... I mean, that is just, you know, to see people willing to do that... um, you know and then just just as a human being but especially as you know somebody who's who has invested so much in that country just personally and to see those people and what they're doing and then knowing you know decisions are being made completely out of you know the average joe's control that allowed that to happen mm-hmm. you know when you know and you just um Yeah, I I could, I wanted to, you know, I was starting to go to a different direction with that. Um, But I think, you know, and again, that's to where, you know, some of my friends, um, you know, really struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Um, The week, not last week, but the week before that. um, So this is the week of, um, it was actually when some of the things were really starting to ramp up there at the airport. I was at uh, Mighty Oaks program, and that was a program I went through uh, March of um, 2020, right before COVID hit, and it was a it's a five day intensive program for veterans and first responders. Primarily, it was developed for those you know coming back from combat, post traumatic stress, and basically how to help or, or to show you the gospel and to show you you know um, what your what, what your true identity can be. And it not rooted in something else, and so I'm there in this program now. I'm going through to become a trainer with them and to be a team leader with them. And so I was there. Were 17 other. There were 17 participants going through, and to listen to these stories, and the story, and this was the same when I went through it actually as a participant a couple of years ago. You know, these guys are you know were literally seconds away from killing themselves. And a lot of those, you know, just now those emotions are being triggered, those emotions and thoughts and feelings are being brought back up again. Mm-hmm. And, um, I hate it, Yeah, you know, and so that causes me to want to say, all right, instead of ignoring this, I need to go, you know, because thankfully I've received a lot of grace, a ton, you know, more grace than I deserve, you know, um, and I've been given some skills, some knowledge, and I, and I think a fairly decent ability to listen and to, um, at, at a minimum, listen to people and to help, help them process that stuff. Because that's the last thing I want to see is, you know, one more person taking their life because of something that they
0: have no control over. of. Yeah, that, that's what I was wondering is because I, I know a handful of people, but, you know, way more than I do that have been through this stuff, specifically with Afghanistan and the military and not just the the pull out and seeing everything, that's one thing. But then we got nine eleven coming up, Twentieth yeah. anniversary in less than two weeks. Yep. And that's a whole nother, you know, triggering event of it'd be one thing if everything happened successfully and we could all hug and like, Hey, everything was perfect how we, we got out of here and it's perfect there and we can celebrate this and it doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say as a political statement, it's just that's what it is i mean it's it's a lot of hurt and mess out there right now and still people over there and you're around people and you talk to them and to me that that was a concern of mine of people that are really in deep dark places already and struggle with that and how are they handling the situation now but then what's coming up again yeah I, you know, I don't want you to speak for anybody, but you're a little bit closer in those circles of like why thats so so hard and how how to help people in those situations
1: yeah um you know it's it's yeah nine eleven'll definitely be a downer this year, i mean it is every year, but mm-hmm. you know yeah there's definitely um, not gonna be a day to where it's like you know. And with that, I think, you know, dates. I mean, dates are a constant thing. You know, we, my friends and I, we talk about it. You know, we're all, we have these dates ingrained in our memories of when things have happened, 99% of them bad. And there was an anniversary just this year on June 28th. That was when uh, some friends of, of mine and many others, when the aircraft was shot down in Afghanistan and we lost 16 people total on that aircraft, plus there was another three SEALs that were, that were killed during an ambush. Um, this year was was probably the first year that i woke up and it wasn't until like 10 in the morning my, my wife's like or maybe even that afternoon she goes how you doing today and i was like oh yeah you know i just thought it was like the normal like how you doing mm-hmm. but hers was the one of love and concern mm-hmm. knowing what that day meant to me and it really sort of took me not that i had forgotten this event nor forgotten the men that were lost and my friends But it was like this first year that I was able to sort of, you know, not put my identity in it, Um, you know, and still remember them and not, you know, and so that was sort of good. But then, you know, obviously now that's all been brought back to the front, 9-11. And so, you know, and so I think to answer your question, you know, with others, and there's a lot, you know, a lot of people who are literally... Living day to day, thinking about those moments and those those bad things that have happened, and um, we see now with what happened with with what our government, you know, with the decisions they made, and I think a lot of veterans, especially those that served in Afghanistan, feel like they've been cast out, you know, with what they did. So, you know, we're you know, and so for those for those guys, how do you you know? How do you help them? How do you, you know, keep them from making a, a really dumb decision? And I think a lot of it's just, all right, let's talk, let's listen, you know, but then um, I'm 100%, 100% sure that the only way through that is through the gospel. I mean, that's, you know, I've, I've probably been more convinced of that than anything else of, you know, of being able to share Jesus and be able to share you know, where my hope lies, you know, um, and not in a crazy street preacher standing on the, the milk, car, milk crate and, you know, fire and brimstone type stuff. You know, you're you know, but just of a, of a, man, we're just like, you know, in a lot of ways, what Jesus experienced or like what veterans are experiencing right now, you know, that feeling of being cast out. You know, Jesus was rejected by the majority, you know, and he was, you know, but the cool thing is we also know, you know, from scripture, you know, is that, you know, we will never be cast out if we come to Jesus. And I think that brings this message of hope. Now, obviously not everybody is going to be receptive to that, but um, those that are willing to sit down and talk about it, I mean, that's something I want to go to right away is just talk about their worth Mm -hmm. and, and where that stands but I think, you know, for most people, it's, it's listening, you know, just and that can be really tough because as time goes on, you know, when these mental issues aren't addressed, they, people can become more angry or more depressed. Other things can begin to surface from their past childhood and it, it creates this big mess. And sometimes those people are really hard to listen to just because of negativity or, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, but uh, trying to get them some help. I mean, that's what I love about the Mighty Oaks program is the ability to, um, you know, as long as somebody can get to one of their locations, or really, they don't have to pay to get to their locations. You know, they'll pay for their plane tickets and, you know, to get there and to to spend a week with other guys and to be able to process some of this stuff and then hear hear truth, Mm -hmm. hundred percent biblical truth. Um, You know, when I was at this one two weeks ago. Again, one of the things that, even though we had this whole mess of Afghanistan going on while we were there, and we were all aware of it, I mean, we had cell phone coverage while we were there. And, but throughout that, you had these three guys. Um, one was a 67-year-old Green Beret who did a lot of time in the uh, early 80s, South America, Central America, narco wars, those types of things. Um, you had a guy who was in the Iraq War right at the beginning during the invasion Um, and then you had a guy who's still active duty, Marine Lieutenant infantry guy. And all, you know, these three people, they gave their lives to Christ and were baptized that week. And now, you know, and they were connected with a local church when they go back home. And, um, so even despite all this other craziness, God's still at work. And that's where, you know, for me, that's the only thing that's allowing me to function each day. Because again, if I, I can go, you know to really deep, dark places. There's been a couple of times, I'm sure over the past couple of weeks where I've just been, you know, I just want to go home, get a six pack of beer on the way home and just, all right, you know, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily to, to get hammered, but just dull the senses a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, help me sleep so I don't think about it. And, and again, I'm, I'm thankful that I've been given some skills and tools to where I don't have to go that direction.
0: Yeah. What is the hardest or some of the hardest parts about what is happening now or what has happened recently. And, you know, I'll just throw some of the things out there and you can either go that direction or mm-hmm. maybe it'll trigger some ideas. But, you know, you got the previous experience in Afghanistan of what you've went through and the PTSD and losing people and just you being over there personally multiple times and how it's affected you and your whole life, really, and mm-hmm. your family. And what we've done, I mean, is there some of it that's just, even tactically, like how we did it. Like it could have been done this way or done better, or we left equipment over there, or we didn't do this when we should have. Like, do those things bother you more of like, okay, I can set aside us being out, but the way these things happen, it's really hurtful. Or the pe- certain people that are left there, we didn't do that right. And I know there's a lot of different things, but are there certain things that are harder for you mm. to kind of deal with or burn you the most about what's going on? Yeah. I think it's it's the the people that are still there, you know,
1: whether they want to get out or not. Um, You know, I thought back to I think it was in 1991 after the Iraq War, when there was a large effort, um, encouragement by the United States government for the Kurds to rise up against the Iraqi government in northern Iraq. And then at some point, some decisions were made and, um, you know. America just sort of moonwalked backwards and, you know, left the Kurds there holding the bag and Saddam came in there and, you know, wanted to wipe him out, you know, and, and I felt that this was sort of a similar thing. And again, and so, you know, seeing people suffer in the injustice and a lot of it comes because of racial prejudice. Whether somebody's going to say it or not, I'll say it. Why, you know, why didn't we go to into Rwanda? Mm -hmm. You know, there's no strategic benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, some people could argue that Afghanistan does have some strategic benefit because it's proximity to Russia and China. But, you know, um, you know, but I mean, we sent these people right back to being under this horrific, evil government, the Taliban. I mean, there is nothing redeeming about that government whatsoever. You know, they've already, you know, they've already outlawed music. And so I was just reading that they just executed some folk singer, you know, because he played music. You know, would he still be alive if we were there? Probably. I don't know. You know, I mean, the Taliban still existed, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, and again, I... That's where I probably struggle the most, Nick, is this Mm -hmm. idea of, and again, where, what's the point, you know, is it world police? Are we the world police or, you know, or do we just button up, close off our borders and not, and just not worry about the world? You know, unfortunately it's, you know, you can't do either one. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't, you know, and that's where I've, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome to save everybody. And to save these, you know, um, these families who, um, I think it was maybe a couple weeks ago, but the Taliban were in Kabul and they just started indiscriminately firing their weapons. And you could see these, you know, sort of the the aftermath of that, you know, the pictures of the bodies. And and again, where's there's no justice in that. And I, you know, and just to blindly say, okay, you know, we're done. And again— What's the right answer, though? Mm -hmm. Should we have kept people there forever? And more lives get lost? American lives? You know, that's. I mean, that's hard to. um, You know. I don't know what the right answer is on that, but 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 I think that's probably one of the biggest things, it's that injustice that we see happening and just going, you know, you know, is there another way? Could we do this differently? Um, You know, a lot of people said that we should not have closed down Bagram Air Base, which, you know, which was north of Kabul because huge air base that we controlled and that that's where the evacuation efforts should have been funneled out of. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, you're still going to get to a point to where you've got a very small footprint and the crowds are going to be coming, you know. And I think, you know, whether that happened in Kabul or Bagram or somewhere else, you know, I, I think it, you know, it was inevitable, you know, um, you know, cause I don't think the air force could have gone in and just started bombing everybody in Kabul cause a lot of civilians as well, mm-hmm. you know, if they wanted to keep them away. Um, you know, and, and maybe, you know, so, you know, even as I process it now, it's just, it's frustration, it's anger at, at the world, at the system, mm-hmm. you know, that again, that, that there's evil and you know sometimes you know to the best of our abilities evil's still gonna you know temporarily at least you know come out on top mm-hmm. you know
0: um well I think that's why it was important for me to get someone's perspective and, and especially yours which I was appreciative of you saying yes to come in and do it because it, it's still raw right now and I think sometimes it's really good to interview people when it's farther down the line and you have time to process stuff and it's maybe more facts come out and maybe hindsight is a little more helpful and stuff like that. But I also think everybody is so raw in their emotions with so much going on right now between COVID and masks and hurricane and um, Afghanistan and got wildfires out here. And like, it's just feels like the world is, burning all around us and people are upset about everything. So I do think it's good to have a perspective of this is coming up. 9-11 is coming up and ho- hopefully we're going to be airing this right around that, that time. Initiate that by if you know somebody who served over there, um,
1: been affected by that, you know, and maybe, you know, or it could be a, a family member that's lost somebody over there, you know, of saying, hey, you know, acknowledge that, acknowledge that. is coming up acknowledge that you know this afghanistan pullout hasn't been the the best you know regardless of what your opinions are about it or not and then say hey you know tell me a story about when you were there or what you know what you know what's something that you know that sticks out to you most about all your trips over there or your your deployment you know where were you at in country just Allowing them just to share part of their story, you know, because part of their story is what's causing them to have pain, Mm -hmm. you know, sadness, anger, grief, rage, those types of things. And so allow them a chance to voice that story to somebody and listen to them, you know, don't, um, use it as an opportunity to stand on a political soapbox or, um, or at the same time, not to put them on a pedestal of, of this heroic thing. Now, Granted, there is a lot of heroic things that have happened over there, but Mm -hmm. just taking an opportunity and just letting them, and just letting them talk and to listen and just, you know, and acknowledge that you're listening to them. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of us, we tend to hear, you know, veterans will hear, people will say things like, thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. Or if you begin to tell stories, if you begin to to sort of open up about maybe some of the things that you're struggling with, you know, a lot of people's responses uh, will be something to the effect of like, wow, that's really bad. I'm glad it wasn't me or or, I don't know how to deal with that or, you know, and I'm talking about like professionals. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, like, pastors or and again it's a normal response but at the same i can understand somebody saying that but at the same time you need to have one i think more of empathy and mm-hmm. and of you know of just sitting there and just acknowledging the fact yeah i can see why you're upset about this or why this anniversary mm-hmm. is this you know um but hey i love you yeah
0: let's try to do a little bit more than thank you for your service try to do a little bit more than I'm glad it was you not me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think that's a, a great challenge and I hope people will, will do that during this time of, yeah, this thing it's going to be a, a, a raw time. I don't think yeah. we really even fully understand it yet because of the stuff that's happening in Afghanistan. Like this 20th anniversary is going to be a kind of raw emotional thing and we don't need everybody's opinion on everything about it, but just, A lot more empathy that for the people that have sacrificed a lot and that it it affects the most and so yeah hope i can do that as well and lead that charge a little bit too and i appreciate your advice in that because it's definitely a good challenge for for me personally too to to do that to others as well and i appreciate you coming on the podcast and being willing to share during all this stuff and i know you're a processing kind of guy so am i and sometimes it's it's a little nervy and raw for us to me ask questions in a live thing like this when you haven't really been able to think it all the way through, right. really, and know how you feel about everything, too. But I do think it was important to like explore that because there's a lot of people around us that are going through that right now. Yeah, instead of waiting until they have it all figured out and it's safe to enter their space, like this is the time to enter that space, yeah, when it's it is like that. Yeah. And so, so people don't go to a, a darker place where they know they're loved and aren't isolated. So. I appreciate the time. Appreciate your friendship. and Same, Nick. Really glad you were here. Quinn, appreciate you producing. And uh, yeah, man, looking forward to it and appreciate your service and you as a friend and a person. (laughs) Thanks, Nick. Glad to be here. Yeah, no problem. We're at For the Neglected. You can hit us up at uh, hashtag For the Neglected and we'll catch you all later. Peace.